Angels are real. There's a great fascination about them. Angels are certainly a popular subject in movies, art, and even television shows. But angels are also an easy target for inventing lots of false ideas and doctrines. So I hope to clarify some points about the ministry of angels from a biblical perspective in this edition of Exploits, and we'll also look at the passages in the Bible that give a warning against worshiping angels. Hello, I'm Christine Dark, and the reason why I'm calling this program The Ministry of Angels is that according to an important verse in the New Testament, angels are defined as ministering spirits. That is, they are spiritual beings who serve the individuals who are being saved by the Lord. That is, angels are messengers sent by God to help those of us who are eternally saved. And that's according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 in the New Testament, which is the, is the main text of today's program about angels. The Bible teaches that there are fallen angels. In fact, one-third of the angels in heaven rebelled against God, and now they're under the control of Satan, who himself was Lucifer, a former archangel to God. The holy angels who didn't rebel belong to a uniquely different dimension of creation from us mortals. Yet they're very real. And the Bible teaches that angels are very much involved in our human affairs, particularly in the lives of believers. I've studied angelology from time to time and believe that angels are very active on behalf of God and his people. I don't have any problem believing in angels because the Bible clearly teaches that they're angels and that we can even entertain angels without being aware that they are angels. They're in disguise. In the New Testament, angels are described as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Indeed, there have been dangerous moments in my life when I know Angels have come to my rescue, specifically one time when I was involved in a near-fatal transportation accident. There could have been no other human explanation for those who helped me in my survival. My grandmother encountered an angel with a message from God when she was fervently praying for my grandfather when he was deathly ill. My grandmother was concerned that she might be widowed and have to raise their three young daughters on her own. But the angel assured my grandmother with two words, not now. And indeed, my grandfather lived to a ripe old age, although my grandmother did outlive him in the end. So the angel's words, not now, came true. Most men and women of God that I know personally have encountered angels from time to time. And as prophesied in the book of Joel in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is being outpoured in these last days, 
resulting in an increase of the supernatural, particularly in the Muslim world, where men and women are having dreams and visions in fulfillment of Abraham's cry that his son Ishmael should live and not die. Ishmael's physical and spiritual descendants, the Muslims today, are seeing miraculous visions of Jesus and of the holy angels. And these visions and dreams are more powerful than theological arguments, enabling Muslims to see the light and to be swept into the kingdom of God, many of them. Now, throughout history, well-known believers such as Augustine, Martin Luther, the reformer, C.S. Lewis, and evangelist Billy Graham have all spoken or written about the importance of angels. Martin Luther taught that an angel is a spiritual creature without a body created by God for the service of Christendom and the church. But of course, long before the church age, angels were very active in the Old Testament. If I had to give a definition of an angel, I'd say angels are God's special messengers. In fact, the word angel means messenger. Often in the Bible, we see angels on assignment from God, bringing a message to his people. And in the Bible, there are ranks. There's a hierarchy of the order of angels. Archangels there are, and there are six-winged seraphim, and then there are cherubim and so forth. But according to Bible descriptions, not all angels have wings. Some angels appear simply as men and are described as men. And some appear, as I said, in disguises. But it's interesting to note that no angel in this Bible is described as being of the female gender. That's why people who claim to be visited by female angelic beings are most likely being deceived. Some angels, such as Gabriel, are messengers, and some, on the other hand, are great warriors. For example, in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, the archangel Michael fought and overcame a fallen angel, described as the prince of Persia. Concerning angels in general, I remind you of our primary text in this program, which is Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, which describes angels as servants, as ministering spirits who are sent forth from God to minister for those who are to obtain salvation. These angelic ministering spirits serve the people of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Angels ministered to Joseph, the husband of Mary, to the apostles, and also to Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Angels were on the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem to strengthen Yeshua during his hour of agony and the passion when he made his final decision in Gethsemane to embrace the cross for your sake and mine. And of course, Angels continue even now to serve the Lord in heaven. They're on, as it were, Jacob's ladder, ascending and descending to heaven on assignments continually. It's lovely that angels are concerned about our welfare in this life. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 that there's joy 
in the presence of the angels of God over even one sinner who repents. Now, here's an important subject that I want to raise in this program. What about guardian angels? Do they exist? Guardian angels tend to conjure up sometimes myths and legends. But guardian angels are not mythical, nor are they legendary in the Bible. The teaching of Yeshua is always trustworthy and true, for he cannot lie. According to the doctrine of Yeshua, children have guardian angels. And these angelic beings always have access to God, beholding the face of God. Yeshua stated in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18 and verse 10, that children's angels, in fact, behold the face of God in heaven. That clearly means that certain angels are entrusted with the care of individuals, and these angelic beings have direct access to the throne and to the very presence of God. Furthermore, the doctrine of guardian angels is emphatically taught in other passages throughout the Bible. And in this program, I only have time to mention four other places in the Bible concerning guardian angels. Do you want to know them? I, I believe you do. So let's study these verses in their order of appearance in the Bible. And if you've just joined this program, I'm Christine Darig, and we're talking about the ministry of angels. And in particular, now we're looking at the ministry of guardian angels in the Bible. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verses 5 to 8, we see the prophet Elijah. He was running scared from the wicked, false prophetess Jezebel after he'd had a great victory. But, you know, sometimes after a victory, that's when we have to watch out. And uh, so he was running scared and he was exhausted from running. He fell asleep under a broom tree. And suddenly an angel touched him and awakened him and said, get up and eat. And there, voila, waiting for Elijah to eat was a cake baked on coals with a jar of water. So Elijah ate and drank and then he fell back to sleep. But the angel of the Lord touched him a second time and said, get up and eat because your journey is too great for you. So Elijah ate the angel food and drank, and he carried on in the strength of that supernatural food for 40 days and 40 nights, all the way to the mountain of God at Mount Sinai. Now, this story is a perfect example of an angel as a ministering spirit, as a servant to God's human servants. I've had angels to touch me at certain times, to awaken me from a deep sleep, when something important was going to happen and something urgent was happening and nobody else was in the room, so who else could it have been shaking my shoulder but an angel, a guardian angel, hallelujah. Now let's go to Psalm 91, one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible, and it's a beautiful Psalm of protection. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you 
from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. And it goes on, and here we come to verse 11, where it says, For he shall give his angels charge over you. These are guardian angels to keep you in all of your ways. And just as a reminder, the main text for this program is Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 1 and verse 14, which says, Are they not all, that is angels, ministering spirits, sent forth to minister, to serve those who will inherit salvation. So know that if you believe in Jesus, you have guardian angels who are working behind the scenes on your behalf. And then there's another passage in the Bible about guardian angels. It's one of my very favorite verses in the Bible. I think about this passage often when contemplating the promises of God. And it's found in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27. When the Apostle Paul was involved in a terrible shipwreck, yet he assured all the crew that there would be no loss of life because he said an angel stood by him in the night and said, Paul, don't be afraid. You must survive to testify before Caesar. And God has granted you everybody who sails with you. So Paul said with assurance, Men, take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Isn't that wonderful assurance when God himself sends me on assignments, sometimes with very difficult, specific assignments? I often say this verse to encourage and to strengthen myself. Take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as I was told on this assignment. Hallelujah. One time, in fact, my husband and I were preaching in a very dangerous country, and we had to travel on hazardous roads in the nighttime after our gospel meetings, going from one city to the next. But I was never afraid on those roads. It's not because we had an armed escort, but I truly sensed, and I even saw into the spirit realm from time to time, the presence of a guardian angel riding in the van with us. Well, do you remember reading in the Bible that the prophet Elisha said to his servant that there were more angels guarding Israel than Syrian troops coming against them? And indeed, God opened the servant's eyes to be able to see God's armies, chariots of fire protecting them in the sky. Now, as wonderful as guardian angels are, I don't want you to put your trust in angels over and above the Lord. You see, the Bible gives a number of clear warnings about angels. And it's important to mention these warnings in this program since there's so much talk about angels and even false doctrines are being spewed by a lot of Pentecostal and charismatic preachers. Some of them claim that they receive power to heal when angels appear on their platforms. But that's heresy. You see, it's the power of the Lord in His Holy Spirit that we must seek, not angels. So beware. 
A number of cult leaders erroneously claim their spiritual powers emanate from angels, whereas they should depend upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit. So I need to mention that the Bible teaches we human beings are definitely not supposed to offer any worship to angelic beings. Twice in the book of Revelation, in chapters 19 and 22, the Apostle John was absolutely overwhelmed by the appearance of a glorious angelic being. And so both times he fell down to worship at the angel's feet. But both times the angel carefully reprimanded John and admonished him saying, see to it that you don't do that. For I am your fellow servant and I'm of your brethren, the prophets who have the testimony of Jesus. Both times the angel said emphatically to John, worship God. Also in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18, Colossians 2, 18, the Apostle Paul gave a stern warning specifically not to worship angels. The Apostle Paul clearly taught that Satan himself disguises himself, transforms himself as an angel of light. Therefore, the gift of discerning of spirits is paramount especially in these last days when false doctrines and deceptions are abounding everywhere. Paul even went so far to say in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8 that if he or even an angel from heaven would preach any other gospel than the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, that person or angel should be anathema, accursed. Paul meant that any system of doctrines that would deny the necessity of simple dependence on the Lord Jesus for salvation should be accursed. So do remember what Satan is capable of. He's capable of transforming himself into a deceptive angel of light. Well, it's generally said that Satan has three forms under which he tempts us. He may come as a subtle serpent or as a intimidating roaring lion, or as a deceptive angel of light. You see, Satan will not usually appear to you as a wicked demon with horns and a goatee dressed in a red suit and carrying a pitchfork. It's for this reason that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light that deceived people. Don't believe that there's even such a being as a totally depraved angel, fallen angel called Satan. Well, believers often wonder, do angels minister on our behalf today? And if so, how do they minister to us? Well, we can learn more about their actions by taking a look at some of their activities in the early church that took place here in Jerusalem. And because God never changes, and Jesus the Messiah is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I venture to say that their servants, the angels, are doing the same exploits in our time as they did in Bible days. So let's take a look at how the angels ministered in Jerusalem in times past. For example, angels delivered the apostles from prison in Acts chapter 5, 
The apostles' bold testimony about the risen Savior were creating quite a stir. So the high priest rose up along with the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. They threw the apostles into the common prison, but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people about the Lord. The same thing happened again in Acts chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. This time the apostle Peter was in the jail for preaching Jesus. He was by himself, but a light shone in the prison and an angel of the Lord struck Peter on the side saying, rise quickly. And the chains fell off of Peter's hands. Then the angel said, quickly put on your sandals and your garment and follow me. So Peter followed in a daze, believing he was seeing a vision. While they passed by the first guard, they went by the second guard, the Bible says, and then they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, and the gate opened of its own accord. And as they were walking, the angel disappeared, and Peter suddenly came to himself and realizing that the Lord had sent his angel and had truly delivered him. Well, that was about 2,000 years ago, but angels continue their ministry in this city. When the Israelis captured the Temple Mount during the Six Days War, the conquering soldiers stormed all the entrances and gates of the old city. And near the Lion's Gate, suddenly a friendly man in a white robe who looked like an Arab, but who actually spoke Hebrew, appeared out of nowhere with a key and open a strategic door for the Israeli soldiers. And Jordanian soldiers had visions of a large being in white defending the Israelis, and so many of the Jordanians simply ran away. Angels can be involved in individuals also becoming disciples of the Lord Yeshua. They're not just protectors, but they help to lead us to the truth. They don't necessarily teach the truth, but they'll take us to a preacher. For example, an angel sent Philip the evangelist to meet an Ethiopian eunuch who became a believer in Yeshua and was baptized right on the spot. And in my book, Miracles Among Muslims, the v Jesus visions about dreams and visions that Muslims are having, I have documented many instances where angels are still active in directing Muslims to a saving knowledge of Yeshua, the Messiah, and telling them where they can find a Bible. How God carries out his plans and purposes often involves angels on assignment. In the New Testament, it was the angel Gabriel who brought the news to Mary that she would bear the Messiah. Through dreams and visions, angels led Joseph the legal guardian of Yeshua, step by step to protect the young baby. But angels are not always messengers of good news. In Acts chapter 12, when Herod failed to give glory to God after delivering a very pompous speech, an angel struck Herod down with a deadly and humiliating disease. 
In fact, in literature, death angels are depicted as sinister beings. And I suppose they are if they drag souls to hell. But guardian angels do God's bidding to be companions for believers on their journey to their eternal home at death. The Jews held the opinion that the spirits of the righteous were conveyed by angels to heaven at their death. And Jesus himself spoke in accordance with this opinion. He said in Luke chapter 16 that a poor beggar named Lazarus died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, into paradise. However, there'll be a generation of believers who will never die at the time of the second coming of Yeshua. And in the case of the rapture, when these believers are translated alive to heaven, and I'm hoping to be amongst them, there will again be angelic activity. What will happen at the rapture? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 16 to 17, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. And we should comfort ourselves with that hope. I hope this brief study on angels and their purpose as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation has been a comfort to you and has answered some of your questions also. If you'd like a transcript of this program, please contact me through our website at exploits.tv. And if you'd like to receive a free copy of our color magazine exploits, please ask for our magazine also at our website. And we'd love to send this, our latest issue to you. I'm Christine Dark, encouraging you to pray every day for the peace of Jerusalem as you see more and more pressure coming upon Israel in fulfillment of Bible prophecies. Psalm 122 declares that those who love Jerusalem shall prosper. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Until next time, Shalom.